Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Rightfully So, your podcast for first-year college student writers. What makes this episode so special, you may ask? Well, this week we are speaking to faculty of all colleges and all disciplines as we take on the topic of using podcasts in the classroom. This episode is a collaboration between us, your hosts, uh, with Rightfully So, and the California State University San Marcos Faculty Center. Uh, we are joined today by the Associate Director of Teaching and Learning within the CSUSM Faculty Center, Dr. Jimmy Young. Uh, Dr. Young is also an Associate Professor in the Social Work Department at CSUSM. He has a range of practice experience from mental health to program evaluation and nonprofit administration. His research focuses on understanding and integrating digital and new media literacies into social work education at the intersection of futures and foresight practice, equity, and analyzing the impact of digital technologies on individuals, families, and organizations. In his teaching, he uses a range of applied and innovative methods based upon his practice experience and research to teach across disciplines and prepare students for increasingly digital-mediated world. This includes using technology and at times using no technology to grab his students' attention and to help them become knowledgeable and knowledge-able. Uh, welcome to our podcast today, Dr. Young, or if you prefer, Jimmy. Um, we're glad ah, to have you here. You. Uh, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. Jimmy's fine. It's, you know, I'm a pretty informal person, so that sounds great. Fantastic, because we are an informal group. Uh, we end to have just sort of a casual conversation, if you will. Uh, this isn't particularly formal. We're not trying to run this like panel style. <laughs> um so as I mentioned before, uh, this episode is for, for faculty more so than students, which is our, our normal target audience, um, but specifically faculty who may not be aware of or maybe have not considered the option of using podcasts in the, in the classroom as a, as a pedagogical tool. So to start this conversation, I'd like to ask Jimmy, um, have you used podcasts in your classroom and have you found it beneficial to learning and in, in maybe in what ways to be just super broad about it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, the short answer is yes. I have used podcasts in my classroom. Um, that's one of the the joys of teaching. I think is trying to innovate your assignments and do some things that are going to engage students that will uh, help them to or allow them to be a little more creative uh, with some of the assignments and some of the learning that we want them to engage in. And then also, you know, I was at a point when I started adopting a, a podcast assignment in my class where getting a little tired of reading a lot of research papers myself, and I would like a little more creativity uh, on the part of students. And so fortunately, I have some some good friends and colleagues in social work that also like to innovate teaching assignments and um, also a close friend and colleague, Jonathan Singer at the Social Work Podcast who uh, have developed their own uh, podcast assignments and adapted them in different ways. And so I took bits and pieces of their assignments and their rubrics and different ideas to create my own podcast assignment for a research and program evaluation class that I teach here at CSUSM. And so that class is, you know, not really one of the favorite classes amongst our MSW students. Uh, research and policy tend to be the two classes students just try to get through as best they can. And so I thought, well, if I can take that normal research paper and turn it into a product where they still engage in the same type of learning, they're still meeting the learning standards and, and goals that I want them to meet, but again, do it in, in a more creative way. 
um, that hopefully it's fun for them, but uh, they still get as much learning out of it, then it makes a lot of sense. And so I've been doing it a few years now with this class and the results have been fantastic. Students have enjoyed the, the assignment. They've still been uh, quick to remind me that they still write just as much as they would with a normal written research paper, uh, just in all the preparation and everything. And the learning curve is steep learning some podcasting software and those types of things. But uh, some of the conversations that they've had either amongst their peer group when they're doing that type of a podcast or if they're interviewing someone out in the field, um, the conversations have been really rich and really amazing. So uh, it's easy to see that there is good quality learning taking place with that type of an assignment. Yeah, I I feel as instructors, one of our concerns in adopting new modalities is always, is there going to be academic rigor? Uh, that sense that uh, students are still doing the work, if you will. I can kind of see at the surface level a little anxiety about podcasts and, well, they, the students, are just going to talk to their computer for 30 minutes and, and that is not as much work um, because, on the surface, podcasts do look like just talking at your computer for 20 or 30 minutes. And it seems like there's not a great deal of academic rigor there that students are just going to be like freestyling into the microphone. But when you were talking about how you're using podcasts in your courses, it definitely sounds to me like academic rigor is, is definitely there. Yeah, I, I, I try to make sure the rigor is there. Um, I have what I think are fairly clear instructions. You know, they kind of evolve over time with feedback from students, but um, I have a fairly clear rubric that outlines some of the learning goals associated with the podcast assignment. But again, in my research class, you know, I designed the assignment for that class. And so if I were to use a podcast assignment in another class, whether I'm teaching policy or if I was teaching law and ethics or anything, um, the first thing I would obviously do is think about the learning goals associated with that class and design the assignment to meet those those learning goals. But uh, in my research class, when I've used this assignment, I've also been honest with students in saying, if you think that this assignment is going to just be you talking to your computer for 30 minutes, I really want you to think again, uh, because in order to produce the quality podcast and achieve all of these aspects of the rubric, it's going to take a little bit of time to figure it all out. And uh, certainly there's always a couple of students that they do wait till the last minute and I get that email. I can't figure this out. I don't know how to edit and do these things. And I try my best uh, to support them and make sure that they can still meet the objectives of the assignment and engage in the learning on time. But um, I'm upfront with them in saying the podcast assignment, you'll find it hard, challenging, but fun. And I use that fun in just a little bit different context. You know, it's not like it might bring you a bunch of joy. It might be hard and you might hate it. But uh, when you produce something that's really creative and quality at the end, you'll be able to have some some pride in that. And um, certainly I've seen that uh, with some students in the podcast that they've shared. Not all student, not all podcasts have been, you know, A plus work or, or super high quality. But um, so there's always opportunity for learning there. Um, the other thing I do, though, is with my assignments, I make sure that I'm not just saying go create a podcast. 
Um, I bombard the students with a lot of information in addition to the rubric that lays out kind of the sections of the, the podcast that I want. I give them some examples uh, from previous students that have done this or, you know, we have a conversation about, do you listen to podcasts? And I actually have a form that when they listen to just whatever podcast they want to listen to, here's the things you should be listening for. You can kind of rate that podcast. Uh, and that should give you at least a beginner's level understanding of what goes into a good quality podcast. And then, you know, if they want to add in some more bells and whistles and really do some fine tuning and editing like that, they can figure that out later on. I don't necessarily require all that. Um, but in my research class, along with the learning goals, I also want them to hit upon some specific things. And so social work, we're all about evidence-based practice um, as a profession. And certainly that comes into the classroom. And in a research class, I want them to visit the literature, identify a research topic, whether they're interested in a specific intervention or therapeutic modality or some policy issue or whatever they're interested in within social work, uh, there's probably some research on it. And so part of the assignment is that they have to dive into some of the literature and again, get an understanding of that topic. And then they can have or produce an episode related to that topic. And whether they bring in an outside guest uh, to interview and ask them, like I've had students interview therapists from the community at their internships and talk about their practice modality. Like, what do you actually do with your clients? Cognitive behavioral therapy, solution focused therapy, or what does it look like? And those conversations have also really been rich and interesting because it's almost like there's another meta level of education that's happening for students because they're learning from a master in the field that understands, you know, you need to use some of your best clinical judgment when you're working with clients from various backgrounds. You can't just do exactly what the research says. Although me as a researcher would be like, well, we want to maintain fidelity of the model, but that's evidence-based practice is you're informed by the research, you use your clinical judgment, and then you also take into account where your client is coming from. And so when they start thinking about all of those different pieces and then bringing it into a conversation on the podcast, then it starts to click, or that's the hope is that it does start to click for them. And they're able to understand like, oh, this research stuff, even though I don't like this class, is super important for me as a professional social worker. I have a question um, that I just thought of as you were speaking, Jimmy. Um, one of the things that's really, really important to me as I teach writing is helping students to develop their own authentic voices. Um, there's formatting, there's, there's formality, there, there are certain hoops that we have to learn to jump through. But I, I truly do believe that as serious academics, as scholars, we can learn to do that authentically in our own way. So we still sound like ourselves. Do you feel like in your podcast assignments? Unfortunately, I, I think we just lost Mia. Uh, evidently, we are having network issues just all over the place in this episode. Uh, this is gonna be a fun one to edit. Hopefully she can rejoin. Uh, in the meantime, it sounds like her question was going in the direction of um, how do we preserve the authenticity of the student voice in a podcast? Or is it easier to maintain an authentic voice 
in a podcast format because maybe you're not as obligated to follow formal written requirements. Yeah, I, I like that, actually. I really think that having or finding your own authentic self is super important. Uh, and certainly in another one of my classes, when we talk about the development of your professional identity and how you balance the personal and the professional, uh, your values and all of those things is so incredibly important to what we do as social workers. And and so in this classroom or in a, using a podcast assignment or any innovation, I think that can be really beneficial uh, metric for learning to let students know like you don't have to come across as an expert. And I, and I let them know that too with my podcast assignment because I said, you know, we're all learning here and this is maybe probably the first time that you've created a podcast or you've done some of this stuff. And so if you're trying to, you know, edit your stuff together or you're recording the podcast and you have dogs barking in the background and you just can't, you know, you got like a good portion of your, your interview and the dogs are there just at the beginning of the podcast episode, say, and we had some special appearances by, you know, my dog or whatever, like, let us know we live in the real world and that's okay. Like things happen. We don't have to necessarily try to set ourselves up as these experts when we're not really experts, at least not yet. <laughs> and because I've had conversations uh, with students about imposter syndrome and, and dealing with that uh, when I publish and, and do any of my research and write, you know, I have my own self-talk that uh, I oftentimes remind myself like, no, I am smart enough. I am good enough and God, people like me. So <laughs> it's like, we just have to try to be able to overcome some of that. And I think the podcast assignment or using podcasts in some way gives some flexibility for students, especially for some students that maybe do struggle with writing. I mean, I don't consider myself a strong writer and uh, I was never a super strong academic student. Um, I consider myself average as a first gen college student. It was not one of my strong suits. I didn't have the greatest study habits. Um, but those are all things that I've had to learn and come to value over time. But the, in the same vein, realizing like I still am who I am or who I think I want to be and what are some ways that I can go about getting there. And so for me, I've liked that with this podcast assignment because hopefully students get that or they understand that like you're talking and you don't have to change your voice. You don't have to change your tone or inflection. I mean, just be you uh, when you have this conversation. I mean, you can be somewhat professional. We always still talk about uh, professional presentation of self and social work and boundary issues and all that kind of stuff. So it gives an opportunity to practice. And really, that's what it is. You know, most of these podcasts, like 99% of the, I've shared one of them, but I had the uh, the permission from the students to share the podcast with faculty. But 99% uh, of the time, I'm like, Nobody else is listening to this podcast except for me, which also means don't talk on the podcast like you're talking to me. Like think about the audience. Think about uh, maybe even folks that you wouldn't necessarily uh, target for this type of an episode or this type of content. Uh, because if you can take especially really hard research concepts and break those things down, deconstruct them and articulate them in a way that's more consumable, and provides better access for just the regular individual walking down the street, that's really powerful and that's really meaningful.
Thanks for that, Jimmy. Um, I actually have a question um, and hopefully I can articulate this well. Um, and it might be a little bit of a shift because I kind of want to talk about also using podcasts for supplementing materials, um, whether it's a lecture or learning materials. Um, Bill and Carrie and I started talking um, when we were still somewhat in the pandemic. And so our pod podcast became the space where um, it was it was really actually therapeutic for us because um, we were missing those sort of like, oh, run into you in the hallway sort of conversations. Um, but we found that it also filled a gap in terms of conversations that just weren't happening um, in the classroom anymore because we were virtual. Um, and so we've sort of dipped our toe in this idea of like using this podcast to supplement either readings or lectures or things like that. Could you talk through maybe the benefit to that or what, you know, what you would suggest in terms of how to utilize podcasts as an instructor? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, that's one of the things I've loved after finding y'all's podcast and looking through some of your episodes. I'm like, oh, I could some of our social work students can use this. You know, our students struggle with writing just like everybody else. So um, I have to be, you know, referring my students to your podcast page or embedding them in some of my uh, Canvas courses as well. But that's one of the beauties. I think I'm sure y'all have talked about this before, but uh, that's one of the beauties about podcast is uh, some podcasts can be super long. Some podcasts can be super short, but you can listen, th listen to the podcast on your own time at your own speed, um, whatever makes most sense for you. And there is, I can't, I don't remember where I saw this number, so it's probably off, but there's something like 800,000 or more probably today, the number's old 800,000 or more podcasts that are available out there. So I'm sure out of the plethora of podcasts, faculty or anyone can find something that could augment part of their learning. I mean, now clearly you're not just gonna randomly grab some podcast off of Apple or wherever, Spotify, and throw that into your class. It's gotta make pedagogical sense. Um, and so faculty may want to review a podcast, listen to the podcast first before assigning it or including it, um, but I've, Tended with using podcasts in some of my classes. I have a couple of favorite podcasters. Brene Brown is one of them. She's a social work rock star, uh, researches vulnerability, guilt, shame, and then also does a bunch of organizational work. So she has two different podcasts, uh, Dare to Lead and Unlocking Us. And I've included episodes from both of those podcasts at various points in some of my classes. Um, there's also been other really content specific, like a, a podcast that deals with child welfare, uh, that I've assigned to students in place of a reading, uh, because, you know, it's a lot easier again to listen to a podcast on your time or at your own speed, uh, whether you're driving into campus or work or wherever the place might be. Um, and sometimes for some folks, you know, I'm, I'm more of a visual uh, learner. And so I do better seeing things as opposed to necessarily reading things. And that's another piece that I like about incorporating podcasts is trying to meet students where they're at. 
Um, some other podcasts that I've, I've offered to students, um, I'll say this is not required, but it's really beneficial listening, you know, when it's talking about a specific concept that maybe relates to, uh, that week's content in the course. And so, yeah, I mean, podcasts are such an informative and unique, fun way that students can augment their learning, the, the traditional learning that we think of in the classroom. Yeah, just to kind of uh, tackle on top of that, because I was thinking about how when I was a student, um, you know, when, when I became a teacher, I really thought about those learning styles, you know, and trying to target as many of them as possible, you know, in a single session. And for me as a student, I remember even when I was an undergrad, even grad school, especially grad school, I was so afraid to talk <laughs> because I, I did kind of have imposter syndrome, but as a student too. And then of course, as a teacher, I also had it, but, but I remember just being nervous that, that my input was, or, you know, that anything I said was not going to be worthy enough or not substantial enough. Or the teacher would kind of look at me like, where did that come from? And I actually got a lot of, you know, just kind of listening to the teacher talk, listening to the class talk um, and listening to those discussions. And I would take notes all the time. And so for me, I think that was one of the reasons why I could see a podcast really being effective for students is just being able to listen, even if you don't necessarily, if you're still kind of trying to think about how you feel about, you know, the subject, you know, just listening to other people to talk about it kind of gets the brain, you know, moving and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I just imagine students, you know, driving to campus and just kind of turning it on as like a warm up, you know, just getting them started for that conversation. And then that way your 50 minutes or, you know, an hour and 15 minutes can be more uh, substantial really, uh, you know, than having to do the warm up discussion before you get into the to the meat of it. So I can, I can really appreciate kind of that, that idea of the learning styles um, that you mentioned. So thank you for that. Yeah. And I love that. And it makes me think, you know, um, I'm not really like a mindfulness researcher or some of that stuff, but I really value uh, mindfulness and connection and thinking about grounding yourself before learning. And I try to incorporate some of that in my classes, but it makes me think that because sometimes some of these mindfulness exercises can take a lot of class time, <laughs> not to say they aren't good or whatever. Anyways, I wonder how we could actually maybe create or even use podcasts as that initial grounding mindfulness type of exercise to help prepare students for learning. That would be really, really cool. I love that idea. No surprise, I'm sure, to the people who know me because um, I'm a big mindfulness person. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, I think that for me, like, I'm like, I don't know, in that mindset of, oh, they can use their 45-minute commute to school productively. Like, they can, they can learn and they can build their minds. But like that's such a capitalist mindset, like a product-oriented mindset. I love the idea of having it be their mindfulness moment as they're coming in. That's super cool. Yeah, and I get that too, because I'm always worried about just bombarding students with too much, which is why I make sure with some of my podcast recommendations, this is not required, but you know, if you have an hour to kill later tonight or you're trying to fall asleep, like just turn this on. It might be beneficial. You might find something that you like out of it. And if you happen to want to listen to the whole up, then go for it. But yeah, uh, I try to be mindful of like how much we give students. Like we think they should always be learning, always on, ready to go. And it's like, ah, uh, I think COVID has helped me learn like 
this whole idea again of just setting up some parameters, some boundaries, if you will, around learning and just taking care of ourselves. Yeah, uh, I feel a lot of, like a lot of our traditional learning has been very capitalist in the sense of most efficient use of time possible. And at the same time, I, I came out of this pandemic into the classroom thinking about how uh, I could be respectful of students' time so that they have time to do other things. Um, and I've also tried to be way more student focused in the classroom, asking myself things like, do I really need this activity or this assignment for the SLO, or is it just something I'm used to doing? Or how can we do this assignment differently? And, and really trying to put a lot of focus on, on sort of uh, mindfulness in the classroom, specifically mindful practice. Uh, as a writing instructor, we do a lot of revision and, and editing and focusing on writing as a process, which is which is fine, even even desirable, but it should be mindful practice. You know, why are we making these changes? You know, why do we need to make these revisions and so on? Uh, so I am making that shift. I'm I'm trying to put that focus back there on on mindful practice. Um, so I've heard a lot of great discussion about the benefits of using the podcast as a pedagogical tool. Uh, however, to be thorough. What are some of the potential drawbacks? Um, again, as a writing instructor, I tend to think of that academic rigor factor. Um, I also think about teaching students to effectively communicate through writing and how to organize their ideas so that they make sense in writing. So my question is, is do podcasts perhaps undermine that? I, I, I think for most folks, we could really go at this question from a couple of different issues, but I'll come at it from kind of a optimism side because that's generally where I try to go with most things. And I would argue that it reinforces uh, some of those writing ideas uh, because for students to produce a really good podcast, and this is something that I try to instill in them when I'm explaining the directions of my podcast assignment, you need to engage in the research, like, you know, go listen to a podcast, go review some articles, read some things, write down some of your ideas. And that first write, writing might be similar to when they're writing a paper, they develop some kind of an outline or a storyboard, because uh, we think about the podcast as a storytelling format. But then for some students, again, because they're like trying to be some authoritative expert and it's not that it's be authentic it's be yourself use your own voice uh i say it's fine if you want to write the entire script out i mean i'm not going to see you reading it and you can read it word for word if that's what you need to do inevitably i've had some students do that uh which in one case that's when they're like i had to write just as much as i wrote for a research paper because i wrote this all out and then i recorded it and you know, shrug my shoulders and say, well, if that's what worked, that's what worked. But eventually, hopefully what happens in the process of making that recording, because they never get it in one take, right? They usually will record some, unless they're doing an interview, but usually they'll do some multiple takes of their recording because they want to try and make it perfect. But eventually they do find some of their voice. And even if they're reading most of it, uh, some of that personality, some of their self comes out just in the way that they articulate it as they record. Um, the one thing I don't do is I don't ask for their notes. And I guess that could be an area where if we wanted to kind of look more traditionally along the lines of your writing and grammar and sentence structure and that kind of stuff, uh, I could ask them, will you please, you know, give me your script, a transcript of 
the podcast that I can review or something like that. And I guess that wouldn't necessarily even be a bad idea if we even think further about access and equity for the podcast. You know, uh, a lot of podcasts are the technology is constantly changing and it's getting somewhat better to provide written transcripts and things of an audio podcast. But uh, if they just put one together and they write it up and then they include that with the podcast, then it makes that podcast that much more accessible. Um, but then, yeah, I think, so I'll go to the, maybe the dark side a little bit and say, there is always going to be, or there may be that one or two students that are going to take this type of an assignment and uh, they may not put as much effort into it. In which case, I think, yeah, there is some opportunity there for students to kind of um, fly by the seat of their pants and just, you know, float on through uh, and still produce an okay podcast, um, which then, of course, we might need to figure out. And that's where I think these ideas, these podcast assignments and however you use podcasts, anything with pedagogy is constantly you're assessing it, evaluating it and trying to decide how we can make it better. Yeah, my original thought process was that Cal State San Marcos, along with most other, if not all other state colleges and universities in California, have a writing across the curriculum requirement. And that is generally expressed as writing. Uh, you need to have so many words or, or so many pages. Um, and I really like the idea of a podcast as a way of bringing equity into the classroom for students who may not be strong writers, or who are not taking a writing track, um, maybe they have a chemistry class or what have you, and are sort of faced with this writing requirement. Um, podcasts may be a way of, as you put it, meeting them where they're at. Uh, and perhaps having the transcript would, would help uh, with this requirement, right? We can ask for their notes to demonstrate that they're still meeting that written word requirement. Um, but maybe that takes some of the pressure off, right, doing the podcast. Uh, we kind of started with our discussion with the idea of authenticity um, in terms of the student voice, but I do want to touch on more specifically the idea of podcasts as a tool for assessing subject mastery, because as you mentioned, uh, there are those students quote on the dark side uh, who probably just try to wing it. And in full disclosure, I would probably be that student. Um, I can generally speak extemporaneously and I have sort of faked my way through a couple of, you know, public speaking communication courses on that ability alone. Yeah, I was 100% that student as an undergrad. So, <laughs> so do you think that podcasts have or can occupy that space as a tool for judging or evaluating student mastery of a subject? That I don't, I don't know if I would use it solely as a tool for assessing student mastery. I think in the way that I've used it is more of a complement to other uh, assessment and evaluative mechanisms within the classroom. And so, I don't know, I think I would have to think on that one for a, a bit longer to decide how could we really use this as that type of a tool. And again, because I, I primarily teach graduate students. And so, you know, some of those different policies across campus and things don't necessarily apply in my specific class, although we do have a graduate writing requirement that is in another class. And so um, that's the other piece of all of this that we still also got to think about uh, in response to our campus community, campus culture and everything else to make sure 
or attending to meeting those standards. Um, and so I think if you were going to try to use a podcast assignment as the sole metric for mastery of uh, content, uh, that would have to be really designed well um, and articulated in a way that students fully understand like these certain things should be included in, in the podcast, whatever that is, or makes sense to that class. Um, so that, and this is where rubrics can become useful. Um, I do use a rubric in my podcast assignment, but it's fairly general. I mean, one of the sections is like, is the sound quality good, bad, or not very great? <laughs> um, but you can certainly, there's a lot of research out there in the pedagogical literature around the use of rubrics in evaluating student mastery. So I think it could be done, <laughs> but uh, it would take some, some designing. I do want to say I appreciate um, you taking the time to actually touch on one of the common themes of rightfully so, which is it takes time. <laughs> Doing a podcast assignment isn't going to be just a walk in the park. It takes time. <laughs> Absolutely. That's been one of the things that students have consistently reminded me like, initially I thought this would be easy. I just record myself and then maybe edit a few things, but then they're like, I couldn't really figure out the recording software, let alone the editing software or uploading it to Anchor or Podbean or whatever platform they decide to use. And, uh, you know, I, I try to give some of those tips and stuff, but technology is evolving and it can change fairly quickly. And then when you think you got it, like there's an update and things go haywire. So, <laughs> Ugh, I mean, updates are the curse of the day, I think. <laughs> it happened before we recorded. Uh, it happened during our, our recording session, uh, poor Mia, and they'll probably happen after this podcast. A solid, solid day for up software updates. So we are at about the 30 minute mark and we generally like to keep our episodes at around that length. So are there any considerations for instructors who may want to use podcasts as a pedagogical tool that um, we haven't already covered? Um. Yeah, there's probably several. <laughs> I was going to say, I wonder if there's any um, programs that you can point people to, like, you know, kind of, so that way if they're listening, then they can like, oh, you know, if I want to know more how to do it, maybe. Yeah, and um, I've got a couple of things that I think I could share with y'all if you want to somehow link it to your episode page. I can send some, but uh, right off the top of my head, I know NPR uh, on their website, I think if you Google podcast in the classroom or, or search podcast in the classroom or something, I'll send you the actual link, but they have, um, a piece about using audio stories and thinking about, you know, storyboarding and kind of figuring out how to, to put together, uh, a story and then thinking how to do that within a podcast. So that's really good. Um, and then I have some other links that I've shared with students to, uh, NPR articles or specific, like if they want to use music for their intro or their outro, um, there's a lot of free uh, Creative Commons type of music that you can use as long as you have attribution and attribution and those types of things. Um, equipment wise, I'm always like, well, if you have a Mac, a lot of it's built in. Otherwise, just use Zoom because most of our students have access to Zoom and you can actually get a recording file and dump that into some editing software. Uh, one that was in another article, I think that I had shared with y'all previously, uh, is Anchor. 
uh, is anchor.fm anchor is a, a big company and they've actually got some different editing tools and things I just know there's a lot out there and some of it can you can really scale up level up your skills super fast or become incredibly overwhelmed and paralyzed with like I don't know what to do and so I'm pretty quick to let students know like you don't have to become an expert producer you're just doing this for this one assignment unless you decide to become a podcaster later on but for me it's okay if it doesn't sound super great I mean I want some good sound that's part of my rubric I want quality there because I have to listen to what you're talking about but um you know if there's a little bit of an echo in the background and you can't figure out how to get rid of it so be it that's fine don't worry um and you don't have to master all of the tools the editing and everything like that just do your best and if you're having struggles we can sit down and try to work through a couple of things as best we can so that's the other piece i think for faculty is just uh rolling with some of the the bumps and challenges and being flexible uh, with students in this type of an assignment, especially if you're adapting it for your class, know that you haven't written your instructions up crystal clear. There's always going to be some questions and be ready or open for some of that feedback and to change aspects of your assignment because students can provide some really good feedback so that you can make or improve your assignment over time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, YouTube University is also really helpful if you're trying to master a new thing. Absolutely. That is how I learned to do open broadcast software and a million other things during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, I went from not knowing how to stream or broadcast over the internet to, well, I mean, not necessarily mastering it, but at the very least becoming, I don't know, competent. <laughs> uh, all within a couple of three months. Yeah. So, you know, so YouTube. Uh, if there's a thing, there's usually a YouTube video for it. So, you know, that exactly. applies for instructors and students alike. Uh, I even started compiling resources I would share with students like, hey, if you're considering doing a thing, here are some, you know, great videos to, to get you started on that. Um, well, I think at this point, I want to throw this back to my co-hosts and ask, uh, is, is there anything else you want to ask? Uh, are there any go-backs, uh, parting thoughts, words of wisdom for our audience? All right, <laughs> I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that as a no. Um, we could probably have several follow-on discussions, and we could probably devote an entire episode to to how you build a rubric <laughs> for a podcast. Uh, and and we may actually do that in a future episode. Uh, it sounds like a worthwhile discussion to have, uh, and I'm I'm curious for sure. Uh, in the meantime, I think that's gonna do it for this episode of Rightfully So. I hope you enjoyed this discussion on podcast pedagogy, bringing podcasts into the classroom. I would normally sign off with our usual reminder to students to get out there and write something. But I think for this particular episode, I really want to end with a sincere thanks to our guest, Dr. Jimmy Young, and ask that if you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Or, as the kids would say, don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs>